Hi, and welcome to Follow Baptist Church's weekly message podcast. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're thrilled to have you joining us. We hope the message today inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. All right, we're going to have our Bible reading now, which comes from John 15, verse 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Please welcome Adam. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, come on. It's good to be here. Uh, it's exciting to be here. Um, as I said before, we've uh, had our finger on the pulse and seen some of the stuff that's been happening through this church for quite some time, and it's exciting to be part of it. Uh, but also another reason it's exciting to be here is uh, it, it signals our return to civilization. <laughs> yeah, that was a round of applause. That, I was doing that in my heart, trust me. <laughs> uh, we've been camping for the last um, six weeks, seven weeks. And uh, when I say we've been camping, we haven't gone in a motorhome, we haven't gone to Airbnbs, we haven't got tents, we've been camping in swags, right? Six of us, right? Not in one swag, <laughs> in different swags. And uh, when, you, when you come back to civilization, you realize some of the, the beautiful luxuries that you missed while you were away. Uh, and we've been blessed to be able to stay at uh, Mike and Kelly Cosgrove's place in Nary Warren, so thank you guys, wherever you are. Um, and when we got there, I spent the first day just appreciating the things that I didn't have before in the past seven weeks. Um, things like carpet, you know, carpet's wonderful. Uh, showers, showers are good. If you're lucky, you get to a campsite that has showers. Uh, but unlike camping uh, showers, if you shower at a home, you can shower and five minutes later, you're still clean, which is wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, taps, taps are good. Air conditioning, yeah. Uh, I think perhaps the best thing that I loved uh, was uh, while we were away in the seven weeks, it rained three times. I swear the rain followed us. Australian summer, it's pretty, pretty crazy. But we, went, um, we were in lock at first and it just came down. We left our swags open and we went to the pool, came back and the pool was in our swags. <laughs> uh, so we had to get them dried. And uh, then we went to Adelaide and that's when the torrential rain hit there and it hit us again. And uh, then we were down in, where were we the last time? In Bunyip, and it came again. And this time the water rose so much that it actually came up under our swags as well as on top of them. Uh, so, so it was pretty, pretty crazy. And one of the best things that I've loved is whilst we're staying at Mike and Kelly's place, it started raining outside and I didn't care. <laughs> it was really wonderful. But um, no, it's exciting to be back in civilization. 
but also back here uh, to talk with you today and to continue this series. It's a great series. I've been listening online. Actually, hang on, I probably should put my timer on because otherwise you are going to be here all day. (laughs) You'll thank me later. 78 minutes? No, joking. All right. (laughs) Uh, So... It's been a great series. The first uh, sermon was about uh, finding your first love back with God, right? And that's how you bloom in that sense. And then finding your first love into place here in the Kadinya Shire. And then also uh, vision last week. And um, it's really exciting because I love looking at those three things and, and evaluating myself on how I'm going in, in blooming according to those things. And, and I don't know about you, but if you put those three things in one place and you say, you know, if you meet those three things, then maybe you would stand here and go, you know what, I'm blooming. This is fantastic. I, am, I have a, a great and healthy love for God and, and, and I've got that first love back in my heart and it's, it's going fantastic. And I have a love for the place that I'm in and for the people in the community And also the vision, I get the vision, I love the vision, and I know where we're going. So by the stretch of those three sermons, then I'm blooming right here. And if you're here right now and you're blooming for those three things, and you're like, you know what, I'm kicking goals left, right, and center, then then yell out. Because the reality is, is this is a fantastic place to be, but not a whole heap of us tend to live in this space when we could. So we, we tend to live more in this space over here. And this space is the actual enemy of that space. If that's blooming and that's who God wants you to be in the community, in your family, in your circles of influence, that's who God wants you to be. The enemy of that is here. And the enemy here is circumstance, right? Now, not just any circumstance, it's your attitude within the circumstance. Because it's easy to go, you know what, I would love to bloom. I would love to be what Luke was talking about these last three weeks. I would love to be able to to influence the community. I would love to be able to to get the vision and love the vision and go forwards with the vision. I would love to be able to have that beautiful relationship with God, that first love with God back in my heart. But I can't right now because things are a little hectic. God, I would love to be there, but my marriage is falling apart. So I I need to fix this, and then I'll get over there. God, I would love to be over there, but my kids haven't talked to me in years. If I can just solve that situation, then I can go over and I can bloom. God, I would love to be over there, but I have depression. I have anxiety. I have mental illness. I can't be there. I've got to look after myself first, and then I'll go over there and I'll bloom, and I'll start focusing on other people. God, I would love to be over there, but I can't find a job. I've got no money. How do I pay my bills? I studied hard. I worked hard. And now I can't even get a job. And I can't can't bloom yet because I'm not in the right space to bloom. Let me tell you a secret. For the people that are over here blooming, they haven't figured it out either. For those few people who shouted out and said, yeah, I'm blooming, which is fantastic, can you shout out again if you've figured out life, if life is all rosy, beautiful, unicorns and cupcakes. If that's you, (laughs) and you figured out life, and it's perfect for you, and you have no issues, no worries, no concerns, shout out again. No one. No one. Because it doesn't mean you have to have your life sorted out to be able to go over here and say, now I get to bloom. The problem is, in this space, we ask the wrong question. And the wrong question is, 
What did I do? Why am I here? What did I do to deserve this? That I can't be one of the, the lucky people over there. I have to be the one over here. I must have done something wrong. It kind of reminds me of when Job had all that stuff go on, right? And Job's sitting in this space going, I've done nothing wrong. I've examined my life. I've looked at everything and I'm good. I haven't done anything that would cause God to, to be angry at me. And his friends come up and they are living in this space and they say, Job, you must have. Think harder. Something's going on. You've done something wrong to be here. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about getting you from here to here. Because the reality is, is that you can bloom when it hurts. You don't have to wait for the pain to go away and to feel good to be able to get in that space. Because if you wait to feel good to get in that space, you'll never be there. It's kind of like having kids. If you wait until you're really ready to have kids, you'll never have kids. All the parents are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> All the young ones are like, huh? You're the reason. <laughs> but through this scripture, I think that God gives us a bit of a plan and he starts talking into this space and how we can be from here and over to here. Yeah? And... Uh, I just want to read verse two out to you, uh, verse one and two out to you one more time. It says, "I am the true grapevine, or the vine." It's one of the many times in John that Jesus says, "I am dash," right? And this is a really cool part in Scripture, by the way, because this is after the Last Supper and before the Garden of Gethsemane. So Jesus knows, "I've had my time with the boys, and now we're going to go to the garden. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get taken. So I've got to teach these guys some really cool truths because, and some truths that are actually going to have them last in what I've called them to do because I'm not going to be here much longer. And he says, I am the vine, the grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do, produce, that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Now, here's one of the problems, is that we sit in this circumstance place, and we go, man, my life is not perfect. I've got things falling around left, right, and center. I'm a, I'm a branch that's going to get cut. I'm not blooming like God wants me to bloom. I'm about to get cut off. I need to hurry up and fix this situation so then I can go over here quickly and bloom so then I can be a pruning branch instead of a cut branch. Did you read it? He cuts off the branches that don't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do. You're going to get cut either way. <laughs> Come on. If you wait for that time where you go, I'm ready to go, that's not how God's operating here. Everyone gets cut. Whether it's off or back is the story. That's the question. And I think one thing that God's saying here, that Jesus is saying here, is that pain is not always bad. It's not always bad. And you might be like, hang on, Adam. <laughs> You've got to calm down with that pain's not always bad because I'm going through some stuff that is not good. And by all stretch of the imagination, I'm sure God does not love it. And that may be the case because I'm not saying that God's in the long game to be able to, to, to bring something good from your pain and he doesn't care about you in that space. That's not how God operates. You know, we see with, um, with Mary and Martha in John chapter 11 when Lazarus has died and Jesus comes and Mary and Martha both say the same thing. They're like, Lord, if you'd been here... Lazarus wouldn't have died. Now, Jesus knew that Lazarus was dead. In fact, he waited for him to die. 
And then when he got there, he knew that in a very few short moments, Lazarus was going to be up and walking around. Yet in John 11.35, we read that Jesus wept. Because in that space, even though he knew the future, he knew how the story was going to end. He knew it was going to glorify the Father. He knew that Lazarus was going to be like, hey guys, I'm up, I'm here, I'm all good. Even though that was going to happen, he still wept in that space with Mary and Martha because they were in pain. We see the same with Hagar in Genesis chapter 15 when she leaves Sarah and Abram because she feels like I've been hard done by. She's pregnant with Abraham's baby and she gets out of Dodge because Sarah's treating her like trash and she runs off into the wilderness and she's going to die, her baby's going to die and the Lord meets her in the wilderness and tells her about her future and tells her about her baby's future and then she turns around Hagar and she labels God. She says, you are the God who sees me. God knew the future. He knew what was going to happen. He knew great things were coming in their future. He knew that they weren't going to live in this circumstance forever and they were going to be able to bloom. But in that space, God is there saying, hey, I'm with you. I feel your pain. It's not going to last forever. But trust me, good's going to come from it. Because there are two types of pain. The first type is the type that God uses. You know, we see that with like Joseph at the end of Genesis. Everything goes wrong for Joseph. In fact, if you, Joseph and Job are probably the two guys who are like, man, I do not want to be like them. First, Joseph has dreams. Everyone has dreams. Man, I, I'm so glad I didn't tell some of the dreams about bashing up my brothers when I was young. They might have done some horrible things to me. But he tells them about their dreams, about bowing down to him, and they sell him into slavery. And then when he's in slavery, God blesses him and everything he touches blooms. And then Potiphar's wife makes an accusation against him and he gets thrown in jail. And all this, and every time Joseph gets back up on his feet and God brings him back on his feet, someone does something to knock him back down on his, onto his face. And the long story short is, is Joseph becomes the second most powerful man in the world and actually saves the Israel nation through, through God saves the Israel nation through him. Romans 8.28 says that we know that God makes all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. See, these are things that, that God didn't make happen, but you better be sure that God's got a plan to make it good. At the end of last year, I went on a missions trip to Tasmania. And uh, while we were there, we were with YWAM. And while we were there, I was driving one van, and one of the YWAM um, people were driving the other van, and we were driving across Tasmania. And um, we decided to stop for some lunch. And we stopped, and there's two parks, and we're driving Taragos. I hate Taragos. If you have a Tarago, I apologize. But I hate Taragos. And we saw two spots right in front of each other. And you know I'm taking the front one. I'm not reversing that thing. <laughs> so I go and take the front one. I'm like, she works for YWAM. If she wants to smack a car, she can do it and YWAM can cover it. So she, and I didn't realize this, is that her, one of her greatest fears in life was reversing vehicles. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. So she goes and she starts to reverse the vehicle and she's getting in and out. She's doing like a 48-point turn to get in there. And I'm like, I should probably help her seeing as I took the front spot. So I go out and I stand in front of her windshield just to make sure that she was, at the, like, she was you know, angling incorrectly. And there was another person at the back of the vehicle helping her. And she starts to go in and I say, okay, now take it easy and slowly just edge in. She floored that thing like there was no tomorrow. She hit it so hard and then crunch. And we look behind and she had, like, in like a 1982 Tarago or something, she'd smashed into a brand new Lexus. 
And I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> and I found out that YWAM weren't going to cover the fees, and she was actually going to have to pay that out of her own money. And we were back at the base a couple of days later, and she goes, you know what? I had my life planned out. I knew I had money saved up. My parents had sent me money, because she wasn't Australian. My parents had sent me money from overseas, and, and now that money's gone. I was going to go on this missions trip. I was going to go and serve here. I was going to do this for God. I was going to do this with this money. And now the money's gone and I don't know what's going to happen. And I remember thinking, you know what? This is no surprise to God. This is not, this is not something that God's like, whoa, I did not see that coming. <laughs> We're talking about the omniscient creator of the universe here. He knows everything, right? It's not a surprise to God. And one of the, the, the fantastic things I learned through this process of seeing her smash into Alexis, right, is that God knows our future, and this is really comforting, and he's already taken our stupidity into account. That's comforting to me. <laughs> he's already taken that into account. God makes all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Things go wrong in your life and you feel like, man, I, how is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Don't stress. God's with you in that space. He's also saying, you're not going to stay here. You watch. I'm going to use this for good. I'm going to bring something amazing out of this. You are going to bloom from this process and you're going to be better for it. The other type of pain is the pain that God allows to happen. And we see that in Scripture. We see Job, who lost everything. And he's sitting there going, I don't know what I've done. I don't think I've done anything. Again, his friend's like, you've done it. You've done something. Even his family, turning against him, lost everything. And, you know, the key to understanding that Scripture is right at the start, with the conversation between God and Satan, where Satan's like, hey, you know what? He only follows you. He only follows you so passionately because you're blessing him. And God says, okay, you can hit him. Don't take his life, but hit him, and you watch, he'll still follow me. God allowed it to happen. You know, we see in um, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, that Jesus was tempted by the devil. How did Jesus get in the desert to be tempted by the devil? In Luke 4, 1, it says, the Spirit of the Lord led him into the desert. God led him there. Sometimes God allows us to be going through th certain things, so we will learn a lesson. Sometimes we run to God and we're like, God, God, my foundations are shaking. I don't know what to do. Only to realize that God's the one shaking them. I might be messing with some of your theology today, but sometimes God wants us to go through certain things so we will learn and grow. He uses pain and failure, which are the greatest teachers, to teach us things. You know, I think it was Bill Gates says that uh, he likes to hire failures because they've already figured out how to not do it. That being said, he also said, I hire lazy people because they'll always find the quickest way to do something, <laughs> which is true. Um, but that happens in all of our lives. <laughs> if I can be vulnerable with you for a moment, I would love to share a time where God put, pulled me through a process like that. Nearly three years ago, Come forth, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I felt like I had the force for a moment. Um, <laughs> nearly three years ago, I, got, I woke up to November 22nd, 2017. 
I woke up to missed phone calls from my brothers and sisters. Lots of missed phone calls. Like, I'm talking like 30, 40 missed phone calls. And I'm like, okay, something's going on. So I rang my brother back, who actually lives in America, and he says, hey, I just need to let you know that Rachel passed away, who's my sister. Um, and she took her own life. And uh, when that happened, I was like, all right, this, this is going to be a test. This is going to be something that I need to learn and grow through. Um, I don't know why it happened, but there's something to learn here. And then not long after, my dad had a series of um, minor heart attacks. He survived. But when your sister, who is only three years older than you, passes away, even though she took her own life, and my dad starts having heart attacks, you start to question your own humanity, your own mortality, your frailty as a human. And I started to question those things. And then not long after, I started having chest pain. And I'm like, well, that's not good. And then I checked, and my heart rate was resting at 120 beats a minute. And I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> so I ended up going to the hospital emergency room, and they said, yeah, look, it is a little high. And they sat me down and gave me some medication that was meant to calm me down, and my heart rate didn't come down much at all. And uh, I remember the doctor coming over, and he was clueless. Like, I could tell he couldn't figure it out. So I leaned over to him, and I said, can you just tell me, should, should I be worried here? Like, I'm 34, should I be worried? And he goes, everyone dies sometime. Uh-huh. Okay. So, he has great bedside manner. And then he sat me in a separate area of the hospital and he left me there for seven hours by myself, listening to my heart monitor going beeping, 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 because it was going over 120. All right, so my anxiety was going through the roof. And I ended up talking to them about the fact that I was feeling very anxious, and they said, oh, that's probably why you're feeling this way, and also because of what happened to your dad, and you know, you're probably just feeling some anxiousness, that's probably why your heart rate maybe is so high. So we'll send you to the doctor. So they sent me home, and the next day I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, okay, well, your heart rate's still sitting pretty high. Can I ask you, do you drink coffee? And I said, well, I'm a youth pastor. Yes, I do. <laughs> and they said, how many cups a day? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And they're like, what was that, sorry? I'm like, seven? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, look, so that's your problem. You need to stop having coffee. So I stopped having coffee and I haven't touched it in two, nearly two, and a, two years, whatever it is. I haven't touched it since then. And my heart rate came down, right? And the pains I was having in my chest was heartburn. I'd never had that before, so there we go. And I'm like, fantastic, I'm in the clear. I'm all good. But by then, the damage had been done. Because whilst my physical body was like, yeah, you're all good, you're calming down, it's fine, the mental game had just started. And I started a season of anxiety like I've never had before in my life. And I would say that I would, I would Krista's probably going to say, yes, you were. I borderlined depression. I was, I was pretty bad. About four times a day, I would have a panic attack. And all I could do was cry. And you know when you cry so bad that you can barely breathe? It was like that. I was in my room crying, and Krista was trying to calm me down, rubbing my back, um, telling me the truths of who I am and who God says that I am, and that God's got a plan for my future, and that it's not going to end now. And I'm like, why am I so worried about the fact that I might die? Because I know where I'm going. Like, why am I so worried about this? 
And here's the thing, is through that whole process, I, I, I was youth pastoring the whole time. And I would go to youth some nights, and I would be sitting there going, I don't know if I can be here. I don't know if I can do this. Like the leadership team sitting around talking about how fantastic the night's going to be, and all I can do is sit here and go, what did I do wrong? Why am I here, God? Why me? I'm meant to lead people. I can't even lead people, so I can't be here. I wrote my resignation letter like five times through that whole process. Eventually, I came through it, and that was because Christine came up with a great idea and started putting posters up around our bedroom and through our house about God's truths and telling me who I was and who he is. You know, and when you start looking at the fact that God is, is down to the deepest place, there's nowhere you can go where God can't be, to the, like into the heavens, and he casts your sin as far as the east is from the west, and you start to grasp who God really is, everything else kind of pales in comparison. And it took time for me to start sowing the truth and listening to the voice of truth instead of the father of lies. And I started to believe what God was saying about me, and slowly but surely, I kicked anxiety and depression. You know, thanks. And can I just say really quickly, if there's anyone here who is, has depression or is anxiety, can I just give you three tips, right? Sink into who God says you are. Get off social media so much. Gosh, it's, such, it's the worst. And just be with people who love God. They were the three things I did, and um, it just pulled me out of it, you know? But... I was very honest and vulnerable with some of the people at our youth group and our church about what I was going through. And all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, it, all these youth guys and leaders and, and people as young as grade four or five were coming out saying, I have depression, I have anxiety, and I don't know what to do about it. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a really unique space that I couldn't have found myself in before. I was in a space of saying, hey, I've been there, and this is how I got out. This is how... God showed me who I was. These are some practical things that I can show you to help you. And they were being helped because I went through it. You see, the pain that you're going through, yeah, it, it's painful and it hurts. And God's going to use it for his glory. But man, there's going to be people who are going to come up behind you who are going through the same thing. And you can speak into that situation. And you can speak into their life. And you can be the person that you needed to somebody else. Yeah? Another thing that happened through that, that episode is God showed me something else through my pain. I remember it was grand final day, not, not 2019, 2018. It was a great day, not just because Collingwood lost the grand final. <sighs> no, it was an interesting day because God showed me something that I was hanging on to. I remember watching the grand final. I was over at my brother's place in Lilydale. We were watching the grand final. He's a Collingwood supporter. So much sweeter. And, um, <laughs> and I remember driving home after the grand final. And as I was, got in my car and I left Lilydale, I was coming the back way through uh, Cockatoo and all that sort of way, right? And I was coming home and I remember driving through Cockatoo and all of a sudden I just got hit with the, the worst case of anxiety that I've ever had in my life. And all I could, I'm a very visual person, so I picture images, I picture the future. That's how my anxiety would work, is it would picture futures that haven't happened and not real, but I would convince myself that's going to happen, you know? And the image that I pictured was my casket being lowered into the ground and my kids saying, bye, Dad. 
and I just lost it. I cried all the way home. And I reckon I sped a little bit because I just wanted to get home. And God showed me that my kids were my idol. That I hadn't trusted my kids to God. That I was living in this space of saying, you know what? God is not able to look after my children. I have to be around so I can look after them or else no one else will. And God reminded me, hey, I'm God. (laughs) I created the heavens and the earth. I hold the ocean in my hands. I breathed out the stars. I spoke light into being. Do you know who I am? (laughs) I can look after your children. I formed them. I knit them together in your wife's womb. And when I got home, I sat down with my wife and we together just handed our children over to God. Now, we look after them, obviously. We still feed them. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, God, they are yours. They're yours. We trust you. Who else's hands can you trust more than God's? Yeah? So through, through my pain, through my season of circumstance and my attitude in that circumstance, God showed me how to help other people and he actually revealed idols that I had in my life that I needed to get rid of. If I'm honest, I probably took too long <laughs> to get to that space. And since then, I've looked at how I moved out of that circumstance attitude and into the blooming attitude. And there's a really easy thing to do to get to that space, which I'm going to share with you in a minute. And I wish, I really wish someone had showed that to me earlier, is how to get there from one to another. And the question is, how do we bloom when it hurts, right? And this is a really vital question, because if we don't know how to bloom when it hurts, we actually might find ourselves becoming the branch that gets cut, not pruned. You know, because Jesus says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not bear fruit. That's not non-Christians. That's not people who don't know Jesus. Branch of mine. Christians. People who don't bloom, they don't produce fruit, get cut. So this is a really important question, is if you're sitting in that space of hurt, how do you bloom? How? As I said before, I went to America and uh, went to a conference uh, conference in Oklahoma, transformation conference, fantastic place. And uh, and then I went to visit my brother who lives over there. So I had to take a flight from Oklahoma to Dallas and then up to Indiana where my brother lives. And I went to the airport at Oklahoma and I looked at my phone and I'm running a great old iPhone 6S and uh, let me tell you, if you have a 6S, anyone here with a 6S? Those batteries do not last long. Whew, time to upgrade. But um, I was sitting there and I walked into the airport with a 100% battery. And uh, I'm like, nah, it's all good. The flight to, I calculated the flight to Dallas and then up to Indiana. I should be right to get there and plug in my phone. I'll be fine. Sure enough, I get there and they say, hey, your flight's been delayed half an hour. And I'm like, no worries, all good. And then the half an hour comes up and I go back to the gate and they go, sorry, it's been delayed another half hour. Now, I don't mind if they tell me that my flight's been delayed X amount of hours. Just do it once. (laughs) This went on and I got delayed eight hours in total. And it was around hour five that I realised my phone's not going to make it. (laughs) I was fine, but my phone wasn't going to make it. And on my phone, I had Facebook... I had Instagram, 
It's Snapchat. No, I don't have that because I'm a Christian. Um, and <laughs> um, no, and I had all these things on my phone, my email, everything that was able to connect me to people I needed to talk to. Because the reality was, is that whilst I was in America, there was still a youth ministry happening back home, and I needed to be able to connect with the leaders and be able to answer any of the questions they had. So it was actually really important that I had my phone charged up. And it was about hour six that I realized my phone is not going to make it. Time to break out the trusty charger. So I grab out the Apple charger, and as I pull it out of the bag, this sinking feeling comes over me because I realize that my Apple charger is at home with my wife, and I've accidentally taken her charger. Now, the reason that's a problem is because my charger is an Apple product. Her charger is a knockoff. It's not real. It's one that you get like 10 cables for like four bucks, and they don't last. So I go to plug my phone in, and it's not charging. It's not charging. And I know there's people I need to connect with. There's people I need to talk to. And all of a sudden, my phone dies. And I realize that I have a very expensive Apple paperweight. Because it's useless. The product that is designed to, to be useful has been rendered useless because it's not plugged into its power source. So I actually had to go and buy an Apple charger at the airport. And if you think they're expensive at the Apple store, try the airport. <laughs> and I plugged my phone in and it started working. It was going fantastic. And I realized that we are the same. If we are not connected to our power source, somebody who is potentially useful for the kingdom, who God wants to use, can be rendered powerless. And before you know it, you become a very expensive paperweight. And you know what? It sounds pretty simple because Jesus says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitless unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. How do you bloom when it hurts? Stay connected. Stay plugged into your power source. And that sounds really simple. It's like, well, that's a, that's a bit simple, Adam. Perhaps that's the problem, is that we're expecting some really intricate answer, but the answer is quite simple, is that just stay connected to God. You know, in um, John chapter 10, Jesus likens himself, says, I am the good shepherd, and my sheep know my voice. Even those people who try to come in and steal, they're not going to because Jesus protects. But the sheep don't have to do anything apart from be sheep and know his voice. So what do we do in that space? Just be a sheep right? I am the vine. Those who do not produce fruit get cut. Those who do get pruned. How do you bloom when it hurts? Stay connected. Just be a branch. <laughs> it sounds so simple, but it's so true. Just be a branch. Imagine if we as Christians, when life got tough, when life got really complicated and we're in that space of going, why is this happening to me? Instead of doing that, we said, God, you know what? Yes, life is tough right now. I'm suffering from depression and anxiety, but I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. I'm going to connect with you so passionately and so, so often, just like Jesus did, that I'm going to get pulled out of this space and into a blooming space, even though it hurts. You know what, God, even though that my family is starting to fall apart a little bit, yes, I'm going to try and fix that, but in the process, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to get into it and then I'm going to eat it up so I make sure I understand who you tell me that I am. 
God, even though that I can't find a job, you know what? I'm going to get encouraged by you. I'm going to let you, let you tell me who you are and that you've got my steps planned out and that you have everything planned for me and that I don't have to worry in this space because you're with me now and you'll be with me then. Imagine if we got into a space where instead of sitting in wallow and mire and going, you know what, woe is me, we actually said, how, glory, how much glory does God have and I can rest in him? If you stay connected, yes, it's going to hurt for a little while. It still will hurt. Jesus is with you in that space. But if you stay connected, I can tell you now, blooming is on the horizon. And when we do that, when we stay connected, we see amazing things happen. I love how Jesus um, talks in verse 7 and 8. He says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. How cool is that? You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Man, I know a lot of things that I want. But you know what? It's really important that we don't misread this verse because it's very easy to look at it and go, wow, I can have things and get consumer-driven and start thinking about material things. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. You see, too often we treat God like a vending machine in the sky. We say, God, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this and you're God and I've asked for it. You said, I'll ask for it. if I ask for anything, you'll give it to me, so I'm waiting for it. It doesn't work that way. You see, because if, if we remain in him and his words remain in us, we can ask for anything we want, right? But if we're in him and he's in us, we want his glory. That's what we want. You know, it's like that verse in uh, Psalm 37, 4. It says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Again, that's not materialism. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Your desire is him. He'll give you more of himself. I don't know about you, but when I'm in this space and I'm like, man, what have I done wrong? I want to bloom. Man, how amazing is it to say, God, I just want you. I just want you. When was the last time you had a date night with God? Too often we go to God because, God, I need this. And and don't get me wrong, we're allowed to tell God of our needs and our worries and our concerns. We We totally should. But when was the last time we went to God and said, God, I just want you. I just want to be in this space with you. Because that's what we should want. And we should want his glory. If you want God to give you what you want, then just change and want what God wants. That's it. And then verse 8, he says, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I love that. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. You see, the purpose of the branch is to serve as a vehicle through which the vine expresses itself. Let me say that again. The purpose of the branch is to serve as a vehicle through which the vine expresses itself. That means that your job as a branch is to represent Jesus to the community. That's your job. You go up to a a vine that's got grapes on it, you don't say, wow, look at this fantastic apple tree. Because you know that vine produces grapes. You know it's a grapevine. And likewise, when people see us, they should say, Look how good God is. You know, I was so excited to see that, uh, that Luke won the, the person of the year. Was it the citizen of the year for the Kidinia Shire? But I love the fact that he said it's on behalf of the people who serve and volunteer at Follow. 
And it's great that the community is recognizing it, going, you know what? Look at everything that Follow Baptist Church is doing in the community. What do you think that does for God? What do you think people are thinking about God? Because too often, the church has been known for what we're against. But I think it's time that they start knowing what we're for. I think when people look at us and we bear fruit, it should be fruit of love and compassion and mercy and patience and goodness and self-control and evangelism and, and wanting the best for the downtrodden and the marginalized and the, the widows and the single mums and, and everyone in between. The purpose of the branch is to serve as a vehicle through which the vine expresses itself. So I think that in our schools, in our workplaces, in our sports clubs, in our park runs, our coffee groups, our mums groups, our food trucks, in 1188, in our youth ministry, in the kids ministry, in the breakfast program, in the meals ministry, in the media team, in the worship team, in the set up pack down crew, and everyone in between, we should serve for the glory of God so that when people see, man, look at all these things these, these people are doing, man, their vine must be good. You know? Let's be branches that reflect God so truthfully. Represent the vine. So if you're in a tough season, let me encourage you. Be a branch. Stay connected. You could bloom at any time. If you're in a tough season right now, don't stress. Your blooming season will come. And let's glorify our great God together, hey? Let's welcome the seasons where we're pruned. Because it means more fruit's coming. Yeah? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you that you are the good shepherd. I want to thank you that you are the true vine. And that no matter what we're going through, God, that we can trust in you. When we're going through seasons of pain and, and, and uncomfortable seasons, God, that we know that, that you're with us in that space, just like you were for Mary and Martha. That you're with us in that space. And that you're loving us, God that you don't love the fact that we're going through pain, but you've got a plan for the pain. God, we trust you with every aspect of our lives. You are the creator of the universe, the author of our salvation. These seasons of pain, God, help us know and feel that you are near, that you're close to us, and give us the ability, God, to just to see your character and to trust you. And when we bloom, God, let us not take any of the glory for ourselves. Let's give it all to you. As it says in Proverbs 21, 31, God, that the horse are prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to you. As we battle through the things of life, God, we ask that you're with us. And when the victory comes, we don't want to share the glory, God. We want to give it all to you. We don't want any for ourselves. Let us be a true representation of you the true vine. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly message. If you're in the southeast area of Melbourne, we'd love for you to join us at our Sunday morning service. All the details can be found on our website at follow.church or you can find us on social media at follow Baptist Church.